Kenny, 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 Kenny. Do you hear that, Steelers fans? It's the sound of the fan base calling for quarterback change. Week three of the NFL season is in the history books, and I think it's safe to say the Steelers have some problems. Thankfully, it wasn't just the Steelers that had some problems this week. There seemed to have been issues all around the NFL. There were some pretty big upsets, and all around just a lot of wackiness that went on this week. Zach and I are going to do a pretty hefty breakdown on the Steelers game against the Browns. And just like last week, we're going to give you our stock rising and stock falling teams, as well as a potential dark horse. Hello and welcome back to the podcast Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all of the news from the USFL, XFL, and NFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fans perspective. But first, we are going to go into the Steelers game on Thursday night against the Browns. And uh, that that one hurt. That one hurt. It was kind of ugly. No, not kind of. Well, no, it was kind of because the first half was good. And then the second half wasn't. And I was sad. Yeah, I would definitely, I would like to point out here that I I noticed some adjustments on our offense. Um. But I definitely noticed a weaker defense, which was kind of interesting, that our offense seemed to get better, at least for part of the game, and then our defense seemed to get worse. But all of the momentum that we had in that first half just fell apart. We we started the second half with three three-and-outs, and I just – I don't know why. And it was just bad. I'm like, you came off the first half in the lead – why Why did we not do anything to keep that going? I know. I, it would have been nice if they had stuck with the scheme that was working in the first half. Because that way, even if the defense kind of, like, chokes in the second half, at least your offense could carry over. But, of course, Matt Canada had to be annoying, so. Yeah, I mean, look, at this point, th- there's definitely calls that Mitch Trubisky is not the quarterback that we need. Which sucks, because I was somebody that believed in him at the beginning. I... I loved his playoff level that he showed when he started the league in Chicago. And I really thought we could get that again. But he, I mean, from what I've seen, he's been behind too many bad offensive lines that the man is scared. He goes for one read and then just goes for it and then see if it pays off or not. He's not taking multiple reads down the field because he doesn't believe that he has time to do so. He's not looking at people who are open. He's just looking at the safest option. Yeah. And also, if you look at the film, he's rolling out like 90%. It's not like a true statistic, but it's – if you're like paying attention to what he's doing in these games, you can see that he's rolling out just absolutely unnecessarily. There's a perfectly good pocket, which is shocking. I would argue that one of the best – parts of our team right now is our offensive line at least pass blocking which is kind of sad but he's just rolling out and making these plays for no reason and it 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 just doesn't make sense to me but it it also I think it stems from the fact that he's never had a really good o-line and so he's just he's like I can't stay in the pocket I gotta get out because that's the only way I'm not gonna get hit you know yeah I, I definitely watched him miss some throws on Thursday night. 
and there were definitely a lot of times where you just kind of sit there and you look at him and you go like, what, what is he doing? I audibly said that, even though I was on a call with my friends at the time, audibly went, what, what were you thinking? Every time, not every time, but a lot of times when he would make like really dumb throws. I got made fun of for that, by the way, for saying, what were you, what were you thinking on that call? But I mean, and, I think that that's a sentiment shared by a lot of fans. Like what, what are we doing here? I mean, he, Mitch, look, I like I I like the thought of putting a veteran in before a rookie quarterback because obviously you don't want to be like Cleveland or Jacksonville or whoever and just throw a rookie in there to have him get eaten by the wolves. But at the same time, I feel like Mitch has proven that he's just he can't handle it. And I think for me the the biggest factor in this is the Steelers coaching staff is basically treating Mitch like a rookie. He's not allowed to call audibles. He has to go like strictly by the playbook. And the way I see it, if you're going to treat him like a rookie anyway, why not just start out with a rookie? It's, you're going to be treating him the same, and theoretically it would have the same effect. The difference is Kenny might actually be able to develop in something other than a subpar quarterback. And I, I 100% agree because going back to what I said, Mitch has been you know, indoctrinated into the NFL with bad offensive lines. So he has bad habits that have come from having bad offensive lines. Kenny yeah. doesn't have these bad habits, especially not in the NFL, because he's never played a legit game. Or, I mean, even if you want to count the preseason games, he hasn't played a full game in the NFL. So he hasn't had enough time to develop bad habits. Let's throw him in there. Maybe he'll develop some good habits and throw to your rookie wide receiver who is 99% open, according to him. But honestly, yeah. if you're looking at the tape, he's open a lot it is it's it's a lot I mean, and you know what else i've noticed and a lot of the other people have pointed this out too where has the middle of the field been like oh, is, we gotta put on apb for it i have just not seen it and like you'll go back and watch replays go back and watch film there are guys running down the middle of the field who are wide there was a play where chase claypool had the, the entire left half of the field to himself because all he did was run a crossing route across midfield he just missed him i think if mitch probably threw a check down I don't actually remember what he did off the top of my head. I'm just assuming he threw a check down because that's 90% of the plays that he runs are check downs and screens. But stuff like that happens a lot more than people want to let on. Like there's so many guys who are getting open. And look, last week we bashed on Matt Canada and rightfully so because his schemes are terrible. But right now it's not, it isn't just Matt Canada. I was willing to give Mitch the benefit of the doubt last week because we're only two weeks in. We've now got a third game under our belts legitimate questions are starting to arise over whether or not Mitch would even be able to handle it with a good offensive coordinator because he's just not making the throws. I'm still calling for Canada to get fired before the season ends so that we can know for certain. But I think at this point it might, we, it might be time to just move everything, you know, clean house. Right. And I agree. And look at this point, when we have the talent and we've shown that we have the talent, it's not good enough to say, you know what? Uh, we can clean house. We can do a bunch of stuff in the off season. No, you know what's the problem. Like it's, it's not a secret that we're gonna find out through the year when we've already found it out. We can clean house now and know what's the problem. I think or- I speak for a lot of people when I say one of the biggest things that's been irritating me throughout these first three weeks is that nothing's changing. Mm-hmm. Not coordinator, not quarterback, not scheming, 
not anything. So to, it, as much as I don't like to, you know, bash Tomlin and the team, do they even know that there's a problem? Or are they just sitting there going to themselves, oh, yeah, it'll work eventually. It'll work eventually. I saw a report earlier today. Or I don't know if it was, like, from a legit source or if it was just an opinion. But either way, the ideas are out there where it's like, oh, you know, the offensive minds in Pittsburgh think that their offense is on the verge of coming together. Really? Because I certainly have not seen anything that looks like it's, quote, on the verge of coming together. Nothing even close. On paper, we have one of the most talented skill position rosters, but we don't have a quarterback that can get it to them. And we don't have a coordinator who can scheme up plays that make it possible for him to get it to them. I mean, as much as I hate, you know, the amount of a little bit unwarranted success Kansas City has gotten, if you put this team in Kansas City, even without Patrick Mahomes, just like that offensive mind of Kansas City, we'd be Super Bowl favorites. And uh, it will actually not with Mitch Trubisky if you threw Kenny Pickett in there instead. But look, I again, I, I want to see how Mitch Trubisky would do with a different offensive coordinator. Would he be great? Probably not. But would he be serviceable and be winning more games? I think so. But I, it's still – and it comes back to what I've been saying earlier. There's still habits – that Mitch Trubisky has that's going to make it impossible for him to win playoff games for us. And that's, that's just the big problem at this point. But I, I want to see, look, here's my thing in this game, this coming week, if we're dying, if we're getting destroyed in the beginning again, or just not looking good, just put Kenny Pickett in, in the second half. Let him finish out the game. And if if we lose, okay. Then at least you know it's not the quarterback. At least we can all have that peace of mind. But until we see something from both of them, don't sit here and tell me that Mitch isn't the problem. Because we have seen nothing that shows that it's somebody else. And we have seen nothing that shows that Kenny Pickett can't be better. And even if we have nothing that doesn't show us that Kenny Pickett can't do exactly what Mitch is doing. And even because the big thing that separates Mitch from Kenny right now, this is probably Mitch's like average right here. Like I would argue this might even be his ceiling, what he's doing right now. This could be Kenny's floor for all we know, but no one is willing to test it to find out. And we're going to keep saying these things week after week after week, because they're still true, believe it or not. Week after week after week. And because I I love Kenny Pickett, and I also I do love to an extent that they're not throwing him right into the fire and letting him get burned. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to see Kenny Pickett turn into a Jordan Love, where he just sits yeah. on the sidelines with a lot of promise. Granted, more promise than Jordan Love got because we knew he would be sitting on the sidelines at Aaron Rodgers. But I don't want to see him sitting on the sidelines and not getting a – like legit snap until he's like 35 you know yeah i want to see the guy that franco harris admitted that he said could be the next big thing i don't i don't want to see him wasted just because the steelers are too stubborn but also we we mentioned it earlier there's 
happening on happening on our offense. But now the Steelers have gone so far as to make a pretty major change on our defense by subbing out Tyson Alualu for Montrevis Adams for nose tackle. So Montrevis Adams will now be our starter. Tyson Alualu has been demoted to backup. We've decided to make that adjustment an adjustment with or from a, or an adjustment that deals with two pretty even and strong players, but not an adjustment with our offense where every analyst, fan, and other coach is saying we need to make the switch. Yep. Like obviously there are people in the Steelers organization that are saying, okay, you know, we've got to make changes on this team because they just made a change to, like, the nose tackle position. Why is no one on the team at least pleading for Kenny to get some playing time? Part of me wonders if there are, but they've just got this image that, like, they, they almost, you know, you almost want to chalk it up to, like, arrogance on the part of people where it's like, oh, you know, we, we know what we're doing. Like, well, do you? Do you? Well, I, I, this is something, and I don't always like to knock on Tomlin. I know a lot of people, like, very close to me who are not huge Tomlin fans, and I can kind of see it. I've always been a Tomlin supporter and a Tomlin fan. But here's something that I will 100% say. Big Ben Roethlisberger was in the league longer than Tomlin. Other than the 2019 season, when we had Rudolph and Duck playing for us, we have never had to worry about the quarterback position. Which makes me think, this is why Tomlin's struggling. Tomlin in the NFL has never, as a head coach, had to deal with this kind of situation. He's never had to deal with what is our next position with a rookie quarterback? Yep. Now, yes, he had Mason Rudolph as a rookie. But, again, it was kind of like Jordan Love. You knew you weren't putting him in unless you had to. He had Duck Hodges, but Duck was a third string. So, like, you really knew you weren't putting him in. He's never had to deal with a first-round pick rookie in – thought, okay, him versus a veteran who right now are basically, you know, pretty decently close to equal, what do I do in this situation? And that's, I think, why it's so flustering for the Steelers organization. And even so, even for some people who were in the organization before Ben was picked, how many of them really remember back to 18 years before when they had to make these kind of decisions? It's it's very interesting to say because that I, I truly think that's why the Steelers are struggling so much. We haven't had to deal with this kind of predicament for so many years. That's the problem about having a reliable quarterback. Yeah, I again, it's going to be a struggle. This whole season is going to be a struggle, most likely. But uh, we're just going to have to hope that ownership wises up pretty soon. Let's move away from the offense really quickly before we get into the rest of the league. Talk a little bit about the defense. Zach, I know you had some uh, opinions, we'll call them. 
Yeah, so I mentioned earlier about the nose tackle position, how we switched out uh, Aluolu for Adams, and I agree with it. Uh, I think it's definitely something that's going to help our run defense, which has been which has been pretty porous over the last year and a year and a half. But it, it's very interesting to me that we made that decision before any offensive decisions. But just going into that from a pure defensive standpoint, I think it was definitely a good decision. Tyson Alulu is coming off of a major injury, and he ha- he hasn't been playing terribly. But he's somebody that really you should be hearing his name a decent amount in these games, and you're not hearing his name at all, which means he's not doing enough. And I think that's something that's definitely annoying and something that the de- the defensive coordinators and the Steelers are looking at. And I think that's why we made that decision now. And everything that I've heard about Montrevis Adams, the man's a stud, and I think he's going to up our defensive caliber here. Uh, I'm just eager to see how that goes. But I want to bring something up real quick, and I think it's big to say here, the fact that there's defensive changes going on, there's not really any offensive changes. Look at the caliber of coaches we have on our defensive side. We have Brian Flores. We have our defensive coordinator that, I mean, is pretty solid. He was our linebackers coach last year, uh, and now – He's leading our defense. Our defensive unit, coaching-wise, is pretty stacked. But they also know when they have to make adjustments. And that's something that, really, I don't think our offense has. Our offensive coordinators, our offensive coaches don't have the same level of expertise. I mean, to put it like frankly we don't have the same level or the same caliber on our offense to make these decisions and say you know what this is a problem that we need to address and we're going to address it now I think that's why we're seeing changes on the defense and I like that I do as much as it sucks I do want to see changes on our defense yes that's probably been one of the better parts of our team um but we haven't been able to finish games. We almost allowed a comeback that never should have happened against the Bengals. And then we basically choked against the Patriots at the end. They should not have been able to get that lead on us the way that they did. And against the Browns, we had the lead going into the half and then we just let it slip. And I think our defense needed some changes and we're starting to see that now, which is good. But the biggest thing that our defense needs to do is they need to get CJ Watt back. Yeah. We just, we need to get our heart back. Yeah. We need to get our heart back in the second half. I'm going to say that our our first half heart is, is there. It just, it doesn't stay there. Get so demoralized going in the second half. It's people just don't want to finish out games. And as hard as it is, I'd argue that our defense almost has to not pay attention to what our offense did. Like our offense, our defense has to operate almost on their own level. If I am a defensive coordinator here, I'd almost put the defense into like a bubble and not let them think about what the offense just did and just go out on their own. Because I think 
like most Steelers fans, the defense is getting demoralized by the offense. Yeah, but, um, you know, finishing out that game, we always do like to talk about real quick what the Steelers need to do in the next game, and it's plain and simple. We need to get our heart back, and we need to find it somewhere in our souls to make changes because changes need to be made, and we got to do it. Yeah, but really, we can't say anything new until changes have been made on this offense. Uh, but speaking of next week and the broader NFL, we are going to talk about people who we think are rising up in the ranks, people who are falling, and uh, a dark horse contender. So we are going to start with our stock rising teams, and those teams today are the Miami Dolphins, who we did mention them last week, but, man, they just came off a big win against a division rival, the Bills, nonetheless. They also and, have what is now one of the funniest plays that has ever been on film. Oh, that's facts. They they somehow won with a butt punt. And oh, that was that, so funny. That, that it really is a miracle in itself. Yeah. But Miami is 3-0. and They're one of two 3-0 and teams, but they have beaten some of the highest quality teams in the AFC and they they are serious serious contenders for even a Super Bowl. So you have them on the stock rising. We also have the Cowboys on the stock rising being able to win some decent games with Cooper Rush as the helm of their offense. Yeah. And lastly we have the Cleveland Browns who as much as we would hate to admit, actually look decent enough. I can't yeah. say good. I, I, they're the Browns. I just can't say good, but mm-hmm. they, they look serviceable. It's, it's, it's hard to say that they look fantastic when they just when they blew that lead against the Jets. But the one thing, the comment I'll make about that is that I would argue that they blew that lead against the Jets, not because they were outplayed in the final minutes, but just kind of because they gave up. They got caught looking ahead to the next week. That's yeah. So I I blame that loss entirely on them just like not thinking about it, not so much on their skill. And you got to remember, this is all with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They're relying on their running backs, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, which a team like Cleveland absolutely needs to do if they want to win. You know, if they keep this pace up, even if they what Deshaun Watson's out, what eleven games? Yeah. Let's say they get to that game that he comes back and they're. I don't know, eight and four, nine and three. No, it'd be eight and three, seven and four. My bad. Um, you know, do you have to start talking about them as maybe division contenders, conference contenders, even? I'm not going to say Super Bowl contenders because it is Cleveland and they don't win anything, but you have to really think that they might be up there with some of the more elite teams in the AFC, especially. I mean, they kind of they dominated that game in the second half against the Steelers. It it wasn't really close. Mm-mm. As much as we hate to say it, yeah, it really wasn't. But- uh, that's the one and only time I'll ever compliment Cleveland, because anyone who watches this podcast regularly knows that I like to bash on them a ton. Um, my girlfriend is a Browns fan, and so it hurts me on a deeply personal level to have to compliment them. But you have to give credit where credit's due. So I'll give credit where credit's due. They did really well this week. Um, I hope that they don't win another game for the rest of the year. 100% agree. 
I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but I, I'd say if I'm going to compliment the Browns once, I'll only do it once. I'm going to give it to Amari Cooper. The fact that he's making some of the plays that he's doing and he's getting some of the production that he's getting from a backup quarterback, which I guess that that's also because of Jacoby Brissett, but Amari Cooper's really jazzed up that offense. Yeah. And that offense has been kind of one dimensional over the last couple of years. And I feel like Amari Cooper, even though they had Jarvis Landry and OBJ last year, I feel like Amari Cooper is finally the receiver that is really making that offense two-dimensional. You know, it Um, matters just as much that you get a receiver who fits the system. Like, I don't know how much OBJ and Jarvis Landry fit the system. Amari Cooper really seems like he's fitting in, which is helping a ton. Exactly. And... Yeah, and that that's that's a big thing that makes Cleveland dangerous. And look, they're always going to be the Browns, which is why they're going to lose in ways like they lost to the Jets, and it's why they'll almost certainly never win a Super Bowl. But at like at this point, they're at least playoff contenders, which is terrifying as Steelers fans to say that, but. They're, also true. They are, and we've said this actually a million times before on the podcast or even not on the podcast just when we're talking, but they are legit on paper. We just have to see if their brownness will continue to strike. Cut that line out. Oh, geez. Cut that line out. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> um, we just have to see if the fact that they're the Browns will continue to overshadow their talent. Yeah. I had a nickel for every time someone said the Browns looked good on paper, I'd be the richest man on planet Earth. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time those people have been proven wrong, I would be the richest man on Earth. Yeah. But speaking of nickels and being the richest man on Earth, or... Yeah, I guess richest men on earth. Let's move into the stock falling for this week. We've got two NFC South teams, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, two. They are the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got a third one. I'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to go over these two first. Uh, We'll start with New Orleans because it's a less controversial one. Plain and simple, they just don't look good. Um, I don't think there's any two ways about it. You know, a lot of people had high hopes for them because they looked good with, they looked good with Jameis Winston. They have not thus far. They haven't looked phenomenal with Jameis Winston. Um, I, honestly, they're running into a lot of problems that the Steelers are running into. They just their offense just cannot produce. That's that's the biggest problem that I'm seeing with New Orleans. Their defense is holding down the fort just fine. Their offense is just absolutely crapping the bed. No, I totally agree. And, you know, they finally got Michael Thomas back. Alvin Kamara is still on that team. Uh, They have some other pass catchers that are really showing off, like Chris Olave. But they're just not doing anything with them. They're, They're getting close. They're almost winning some of these games, but they're just not doing it. 
And look, they against Tampa Bay up until the fourth quarter, they were three and three or like they were tied three to three. So they have a defense that can actually do some pretty decent things. They just can't get anything done on offense. And yeah, you got some stuff done on offense against the Falcons. Good for you. You beat a bunch of like kindergartners on a football field. Wow. I'm sorry, but that look at the tape, the film, the stats, anything. Falcons have the worst defense in the NFL right now. I guess, but you didn't have to. I mean, holy cow, dude! I, I, I just it, it's, it's probably the Charlotte coming out in me. I'm just not allowed to like the Falcons right now. That was, that was just absolutely brutal. <laughs> but look, like again, it still comes back to you beat a team that everybody kind of expected you to beat. Yeah, there's another the team minimum. that a lot of people expected you to beat, and that's the Panthers. You didn't do anything. You got absolutely manhandled. So you can't sit here and expect me to say that they have anything working on offense. And yeah, it's just like what you said. They they don't they look like the Steelers, where they're very one dimensional on offense and nothing's coming together. Or I, honestly, with both them and the Steelers, almost no dimensional on offense. Yeah. But we spent a little bit too much time on there. But, you know, that's just kind of what happens when we get on some of our tangents. But we're going to move to our other NFC South team, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, like Dill mentioned earlier, it's a little more controversial. But honestly, we're not the only ones saying it. Some people in the NFL analytics are also bringing this up. Now, they're all saying it's not time to panic for Tampa Bay. I'm saying that if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you better panic. Um, first of all, injuries have befuddled them again. Uh, look, they they were out. Chris Godwin, again, Mike Evans was suspended uh, because he's Mike Evans. And Julio Jones was out as well. And yes, that is a factor so if you actually look at it the bucks haven't scored a first half touchdown all year brady looks like what he is he looks like an old man wow he's he's not the quote-unquote goat that everybody claims that he is or at least he's not looking like it right now he only scored 12 points against a packers team that has lost a lot of gusto and look, I like the Packers, and I. But um, look, I I do believe in the Packers to an extent. I think they are pretty good, and because of Aaron Rodgers, they are going to somehow find a way into the playoffs. But again, you can't really say that they've been mind-bogglingly good over the last couple weeks, even though they're two and one. I mean, they got again absolutely like destroyed by. Minnesota and they beat the Bears which isn't necessarily anything special not even because it's the Bears but it's because it's Aaron Rodgers against the Bears he's got like a deed to the Bears I think or something I don't know that's what he said the the Bears somehow like signed a contract with him that they're only allowed to win once every blue harvest moon so like 
them only or them Packers right now when the Bucks are supposed to be possible Super Bowl favorites. That's not good for them. It's fine for me because I still hate Tom Brady and everything he stands for. I think everyone hates Tom Brady. Exactly. But like it's not good for any poor soulless Buccaneers fan. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I mean, maybe something will start to happen a little bit more uh, once Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin come back. But I really, I can't confidently say that they're going to change. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough. Brady's age definitely starting to show a little bit. I've seen some people call out some bad throws that he's made. And I feel like we say this every two and a half minutes, like, oh, Brady's falling off and, you know, all that junk. Uh, so I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to fall into the stereotype, even though I hate Tom Brady with a passion. So I'm just going to say, watch, just watch, you know, keep an eye on, keep an eye on him. You know what I mean? Especially yep. if you're a Buccaneers fan, because eventually age will catch up with him. That's kind of how father time works. Exactly. Um. We got one more team on the stock falling list, and that is San Francisco 49ers. There's not really a lot to say here. It's just, you know, they've got a lot of talent on that team, just like the Browns. But unlike the Browns, they're not doing anything with it. Like the old Browns, they're not doing anything with it. And I'd also like to throw out, um, they brought Trey Lance in thinking, hey, you know, like, He's gonna he's gonna be the quarterback that Jimmy G couldn't be. He didn't do very good before he was hurt. Now he's hurt, and now you've got Jimmy G. So how'd that work out for you? And look, I'm a believer in the Broncos, but the 49ers should not have lost to that Broncos team. Nope. The Broncos defense has looked solid. They've looked better than a decent or than a handful of other teams, but not enough to beat the talent that was on or is is on that San Francisco team. And it just shows that what a lot of people criticize Jimmy G for, is Jimmy G a good quarterback? Or the time that he made it to the Super Bowl, was that really just a fluke and just completely because of his defense? Like, it, it's it's really coming back there. That defense is solid, but Very it's not good. doing what it needs to anymore. And Jimmy G's not going to be the type of person that's like, okay, the defense isn't working. Let me go out there and sling it because he, he hasn't proved that he can do that. I mean, it's been typical 49ers over the last couple of seasons that if their defense isn't working, their offense isn't going to help. Yeah. Uh that's, I mean, that's the big thing for me. I don't trust Jimmy G with anything. I mean, for current, I wouldn't trust him to hold on to my left shoe. So, um, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that 49ers have a lot going for them right now. Yeah. Um, under normal circumstances, I would say, especially in comparison to their division, but their division looks mid tier. Yeah. I mean, look, Seattle's not playing amazingly. The Rams are the Rams. They're they're doing well, but they're not even eye popping right now. They're not they're not the NFC equivalent of the Bills, which I think they should they had the potential to be. 
but they're not. So you can't say that either. And the Cardinals are just also kind of disappointing at this point. They're just. I feel, I, I feel bad for Arizona fans. Like, gen, I, like on, on a deeply personal level, I feel bad for Arizona fans. I do too. They they were supposed to be much better than this, and they're yeah, not showing that they, they never can. are. And it's really sad because I feel like we say that about the Cardinals every year. Oh, they're gonna be really good, and they're just not. But yeah, that's the thing. At this point, the NFC West should be wide open for the 49ers to come in and take at least a second place spot. And they're not doing it. They're not even coming close at this point. So it's disappointing to some people. I, for the most part, don't care too much because I don't want San Francisco to tie us in the Super Bowl race. But... You know, I I do like a decent amount of people on that team, and I think some of them deserve rings at some point. So agreed. Yeah, but I think now it's about time to get into our dark horse for the week. Yes, and I would love to take a stab at this one because it's starting to prove my very first hot take right. So for anybody who watched our very first episode of the podcast, or I always get flack on for saying watch our first episode of the podcast. Listen you, what are you supposed to do? I guess it's a podcast. You listen to it. Whatever. So for I, I, I don't know because it still says views on my podcast app. So whatever. But I don't know. for everybody who listened to our very first episode, you know that my very first hot take was that the Jaguars were going to be one of the best teams in the NFL either this year or next year. I'm like 90% sure I laughed at you for that. You did. You did. And I'm sure a lot of other people also did. But I'm starting to not look that crazy after absolutely manhandling the Indianapolis Colts, completely shutting them out, holding Jonathan Taylor, who's supposed to be one of the best running backs in the league, to very, very, very little yardage. And then holding arguably one of the best offenses in the league with the LA Chargers to 10 points. So that's 10 points in the last two games that the Jaguars have allowed. They're shaping up to have one of the best defenses in the league. And then Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, two offseason acquisitions that have, that were criticized by a lot of people. Yeah. They're paying off very well. And I know, Dill, you were one that really criticized the Christian Kirk pickup. They paid him like he was Devontae Adams. I stand by that. I don't care how good he's been for them. You don't need to pay him $70 million or whatever it was they gave him. That's fair. But you know what? Even if they've overpaid, at least it's working. And you I, know what? Yeah. It's, it's very impressive. And I'm going to say that it would not surprise me if at this point the Jaguars won the South. I mean, it is a pretty open division. Right. And right now they're leading it. They've got a one game lead in the South. And also keep in mind, they've got that uh, one game lead over Indianapolis who they beat, which means technically they've got a two game lead. Right. So, and this is the first time that they have led the division by a game, I believe, since 2002. Oh, well, that's definitely not the case. They won the division in... No, 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 uh, no, no, no. But they, they never led it by, like, a game. I think somebody was close to them. 
probably Houston because that was back when Houston wasn't a laughing stock. At least I remember seeing that stat somewhere. So, you know, if that stat isn't true, don't bash me. I, I just remember reading that stat somewhere recently, and that's kind of what gave me this idea to throw this onto the podcast today. But that I, I'm, I'm just kind of happy that I, my first hot take turned out to be at least true at the beginning of the season. So we'll see if they keep shaping it up. But at least we can confidently say that the Jaguars look scary. That's true. And no matter how, how you want to slice it, they, they look dangerous. And teams should not be underestimating them anymore after these last two performances. Yeah. So um, even if they don't make it to the playoffs, at least a name for themselves. And, you know, it was also good that we got this dark horse in there because we were really giving some teams the business on the last one. I mean, we, we got we, we got intense. I kind of feel yeah. bad, but I don't. I don't, but it's know. okay. That's why I said I kind of feel bad. I, I, I want to feel bad, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But that's just what happens when the Steelers lose. I get bitter, guys. That's yeah. what happens. Speaking of things that we kind of feel bad about, Zach, it is that time of the week again. Give us your hot take. Show us what yeah. you got, boy. So going back to the Steelers, of course. Going back to the offense. So my hot take, and uh, in the Steelers, you know, organization, or well, organization would probably be very hot take. In the Steelers fan base, it would not be that hot of a hot take. My hot take is that I unfortunately believe that Mitch Trubisky will only win one more game. Um, now, if you look at our game picks, then I'm going to pick the Steelers to win most of them just because I'm that's the kind of fan I am. But I only believe he'll truly win one more game. And because of that, when Kenny Pickett eventually gets put in, Kenny Pickett will start his first four games with wins. So Kenny's first four games, he'll go 4-0 after Mitch will – unfortunately fall to one and however many games they want to put him in for. So that's my hot take. I don't think a lot of people are going to oppose this too much, but I would like to throw out why I think Kenny Pickett will win his first four games. First of all, the end of our schedule isn't terribly difficult. So that goes into part of it. So I am, assuming that he will get put in sometime after the bye, just with what I've seen from the Steelers offense and their offensive coordinator and their head coach. I, I believe he should be put in earlier, but just with what I've seen, I don't think he's going to get put in until after the bye. I, I guess that's the second hot take. So it's a two for one for you guys, but <laughs> they were having a special, we got two for one, but uh, yeah. So just, Additionally with that, I think that we've seen this a lot through, or throughout the years with new quarterbacks, and it's why Mason Rudolph won his first game with the Steelers when he started uh, in 2019. It's why Duck Hodges won his first couple games with the Steelers when he started in 2019, and it's why you know some rookie quarterbacks – depending on the year, have started off well or backup quarterbacks have done well. Other teams aren't prepared for new quarterbacks coming in. 
they haven't seen in-game tape. They haven't seen different things that they do. It's why new talent is very hard to scheme for. Kenny Pickett is also somebody who is very dynamic and very purposeful with what he does, but he can also change it up on the dime, which is why I think he's going to win his first four games. It's going to be much harder for these teams to scheme for somebody that can do a lot of different things with a lot of different talent like Najee Harris, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth. With somebody with those kinds of weapons, with that kind of dynamic, with already, at least from what we've seen in the preseason, a sense of veteran presence, it's going to be very hard for teams to scheme against him. And I think really the only reason why he's going to lose that fifth game, if he would lose that fifth game, is because less of because the other team has figured him out and more because it's hard for a rookie to go that long without losing a game and he's just going to make one too many mistakes. So this might be me over-believing in Pickett, but I am more believing in our offense under a different QB than I am almost believing solely in Pickett because I think it's not just coming down to how much talent Pickett has, it's how much talent is also going to be around him. But that's my hot take. So, like I mentioned before, watch out for after that bye, and hopefully we'll see some good Pickett starts and some good Pickett wins uh, at least sometime during this season. So, yeah. But uh, that has been all for our podcast today. So, again, like every NFL week, please go onto our Instagram page. Check out our picks for who we think will win uh, for week four. And uh, also, big news, we should be getting some XFL announcements in the next two to three weeks. Uh, But once we get the XFL announcements, that week, whatever week that the XFL announcements drop, we will actually have two episodes that week. One on the NFL week and one on the XFL news. Yeah, so for anyone who uh, only started following us, throughout the NFL season. You know, it's in the name, two serious fans in a pro football world. We do cover a a little bit of uh, the alternate leagues, so the spring leagues, and just a little bit of backstory on that because I know it might not make a lot of sense for Steelers fans to be covering that. The reason we started that is because the USFL gave Pittsburgh a team, the Maulers, and so we felt sort of an obligation to cover it out of, for the sake of Pittsburgh sports. Um but it felt wrong to just cover that one specific league when I know there's two. Well, there will be two when the XFL starts in 2023. So that's where the football uh, world name comes from. We cover spring leagues as well. The announcement we're supposed to be getting is the XFL team names and the logos and all that kind of junk. It was supposed to come out tomorrow, but they postponed it due to Hurricane Ian. Prayers up for Florida, by the way. Um. So there have been rumors that they just moved it back a week and that it'll be next week, but it's the XFL, which means we'll probably get the team names roughly in January. So, uh, but Zach is right. Whenever those finally drop, we will have an, uh, we'll be double episoding that week. One week, obviously just being Steelers week in review and also the, our thoughts on the XFL team name logo debacle. Also, I have just 
a massive tangent to go on about how long we had to wait for it. But you'll be able to hear that once those finally drop. So, But anyway, that has been our episode. So again, please look forward to uh, some new announcements coming in the next couple of weeks, just XFL, NFL, and everything in between. But that has been our episode for today. So we are going to end this podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go.